Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're looking at the temptation of Christ, it's important to remember that this is really strongly connected in the Gospel of Matthew to the baptism of Christ, which we heard about in chapter 3. And to understand what's happening here in the temptation of Christ, it's very important to hear how the Holy Spirit had brought John out into the wilderness to begin preaching and giving baptism. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There he is preaching and teaching. And all the people are coming to him to be baptized, including Jesus. And Jesus comes to get baptized. We heard about that just a few weeks ago. But one of the things that's going on when Jesus is getting baptized is this. He is the Son of God from eternity. Always has been. Always will be. The second person of the Trinity. And he's also coming here as basically what Israel should have been. When God led Israel up from captivity in Egypt and rescued them, he referred to Israel as his son. And yet when they were out in the wilderness, they disobeyed God so powerfully and profoundly and repeatedly. Well, they wandered from God. But Jesus is the Son of God who will be faithful. And all of Israel, well, he kind of represents them, just like we heard in our gospel reading. Just as Adam sinned and all people became infected with sin, so too Christ obeyed God, paid for the sins of all, and thus all who believe in him have eternal life. So Jesus steps into that water as Israel. And the Holy Spirit comes down upon him, And the Father speaks, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. He comes up out of that water. And immediately, our text begins. Immediately, the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness to be tempted. Well, think about when Israel was delivered from Egypt. Right after the Passover, they were driven out of Egypt, driven to the point of the Red Sea, they crossed over through those waters. The waters fell in and drowned Egypt, and there they were out in the wilderness, free at last. Right? And they begin their journey. Forty years tempted in the wilderness. Tested to see whether or not they would be faithful. God gave them promises. Would they believe them? God gave them his gifts. Would they receive them? God became their God, would they worship him? And Jesus, too, is out in the wilderness, 40 days without food, fasting there. And Satan, who had come and attacked Israel while they were crossing the wilderness, so Satan comes and attacks Jesus while he's in the wilderness. But where Israel fell, Jesus is faithful. Look at how he was faithful. Fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is hungry. And the tempter comes and says to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. 
Well, you remember how Israel, when they were going through the wilderness, had gotten to the point where they were hungry. And instead of calling upon God to give them bread, because clearly he was a faithful and loving God, instead they turn upon God and say, God, if you were, you must have brought us out here wanting to starve us to death. That must have been your intention all along. You didn't want to love us and set us free. You wanted to torture us with starvation until we were nothing more than a pile of bones in the wilderness. And so they turn upon God instead of believing his promise. And though he had promised to care for them, they would not listen to his word. They listened to their bellies instead. Now Jesus is out here in the wilderness, and he's just heard God say something very important. What did God say when Jesus was baptized, do you remember? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And now Satan says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Now, it wouldn't have been wrong for Jesus to get a bite to eat. That's not the point of this. The point of this is, does he do so to prove that what God said is true? Or does he simply listen to what God said and believe it? Does he have to add to the truthfulness of God's word? Or does God's word have the truth in and of itself? God has said, this is my son. Jesus will not make it seem as if God's word has to be proven. But he rather says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's not just food for your bellies that you need. When God speaks, he speaks it so that what comes from his mouth goes to your ears, from your ears into your heart. Through the word of God, <clears throat> you know the heart of God, his heart of love for you, his heart of forgiveness for you, his protection, his peace. When he speaks, this word which you've heard read does not simply come from a book. It comes from the mouth of God Almighty. And he speaks to you, love, in Christ Jesus. That is a beautiful thing. And one of the things that we as human beings come to understand, what Jesus understood, is that his word means everything. Sometimes we forget that. Israel forgot that out in the wilderness. We forget that in our day. We turn more attention to the things of this world and the things of this life rather than to taking time to hear what God has to say and to cling to it. And so Jesus was faithful and listened to God's word. And he did so as Israel, the faithful one. He was faithful when Israel wasn't, when we ourselves are not. And thus he can be the savior of both them and us. Israel went on, and as they continued on, there was another time where they didn't believe in God. There was no water. They get to a place, 
There's nothing for them. And they come to Moses and they say, if God doesn't give us water, then he's not our God. He has to do it or we're out of here. If we don't have water here by tomorrow, we're done with him. They put God to the test. That's what putting God to the test is. When you come to God and you demand that he meets your terms in your way, in your time, putting God to the test. Israel did that. No. God did give them water. Moses comes up to the rock, hits it with the staff just as God had said. Jesus was standing there on the rock. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5 that Jesus was that very rock. Water comes flowing from that rock and they have what they need. They didn't do so in faith. They didn't do so trusting in God. They could have come to him with a humble heart and received his gift, knowing that he loves them and wants to give them good, but they didn't. And how often we are tempted to do the same. When something comes up in our lives that is so great, so painful, so scary, so hard, we could come to God with humble hearts, ask for his mercy and his help, and trust him to be with us, as he always has been with us and always will be with us. Trust him to be with us as he has proven by giving his own son. And trust him that whatever comes, painful or comforting, hard or easy, the solution we desire or a different solution, whatever it is, he is faithful. Hold to him. Israel couldn't believe that. Sometimes we can't either. But Christ did in every way. Satan brought him up to the tip of the temple. Throw yourself down. Ah, I'm not proving, Jesus said, that what God said is faithful. I will not put him to the test. If he said it, it is the truth. I believe it. And it's trustworthy what he says. He did this for you. And then the final temptation. Israel's going through the wilderness and God's telling them, look, when you get to the promised land, you're going to be surrounded by all of these nations and they all have their own gods. And if you don't get rid of those nations, you're going to follow their gods. You're going to bow down and worship their lords instead of the Lord God Almighty Yahweh who rescued you. You will be tempted, you will give in. So, he said, you got to get rid of these folks. Did they? No, they didn't. And it wasn't long before they were worshiping Baal. And they were worshiping Asherah. And they were worshiping Moloch and all of the other gods of the Canaanites as if they were their own. Now Jesus is brought by Satan up to the top of a mountain. And he looks out. All the riches of the world are there. Worship me, he says, and you can have them. Well, Israel fell for that, didn't they? Jesus wouldn't. Worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. 
And yet we in our day, when we're tempted by the same thing, very often find that while we may not be worshiping idols and false gods, although sometimes even now in our day and age that's a temptation that's once again arising, we find many other things to worship and to look to for good other than God, apart from God, alienated from God. We are not to receive or look to the things of this world or the powers of our abilities for the source of our goodness, but it comes from God and God alone. Not too often we don't do that either. When the world and our day and age seeks to shame those who trust in Christ the way Scripture speaks to do so, and all too often we're shamed into silence. Well, Jesus was faithful. He never broke down. He never gave in. The reason he did so was so that he, as the beloved son of God, with whom God is well pleased, he walked into that wilderness and that temptation as the one with whom God was pleased, and he walked out of that wilderness temptation, and God was still pleased with him because he had never given in or broken down, never fallen away, never doubted, never once. And so when you look at Christ, the one who was baptized for you, who went to the cross for you, who now gives you baptism so that you are in him, you understand the source of your strength. It is not you yourself, it is Christ who is your strength. Christ who was washed in those waters washes you. Christ who was tempted in the wilderness was tempted and remained faithful because you have not been. Christ now can give you his life because he died in your stead. He takes your place as faithful Israel for the times we have been faithless. And every day he comes to you in those baptismal waters and says, I am your Lord, now walk with me. I will care for you. I will protect you. You can trust me. Hear my words. They are sweetness to you. They give you life. Every day. His victory gives you life. He was strong in the wilderness because you needed him to be strong. And he was thinking of you. And he loves you. That's beautiful to be loved like that. We have a good Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of Christ that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.